going to open up to uh, Genesis uh, chapter 32. Uh, and Ming, do you mind giving me some of that water? Thank you so much. Uh, and Joy, if we can go to uh, the first slide. <clears throat> so for those of you um, who, are, who are visiting today, um, we have been on a journey of looking at the, what we call the heroes of faith, uh, meaning essentially the heroes of the Bible, uh, those big ticket guys and girls, men and women of the Lord, who have something to teach us. And so we began uh, in, in, in the very beginnings of Genesis, and uh, we're now coming towards the end of Genesis uh, with some of these heroes. And so today, uh, we're going to look at a, a least at first unlikely hero, uh, Jacob, and see what he has to speak unto us. When I mean he, I mean like his message of his life. Um, there's a little bit to get through. Uh, but I'm, I'm hoping that this story is, is somewhat familiar to most of you, that we can summarize some of it. So Genesis chapter 32, verse 24, says, And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow, the joint of Jacob's thigh, was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, this is Jacob saying, um, I'm sorry, this is the, the, the man saying, let me go for the day comes. And Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said unto him, Why, what, what is your name? And he said, my name is Jacob. And he said, well, your name shall now be called no longer Jacob, but Israel. Now, you know the Lord is doing something when there's a guest today. I asked him what his name is, and he says, oh, my name is Israel. It's not a common name. For as a prince, you have power with God and with men, and you have prevailed. Thank you, man. And Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray to you, what is your name? And he said, why are you asking me what my name is? And then the Lord blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face. My life is preserved. What a story. Wrestling with a man who turns out to be God. I wrestled with God, and I'm calling this place Peniel. El meaning God, Pen meaning faith, because I've come face to face with God, and yet I have lived. Woo! Story and a half, man. There's so much we can do with this. So I was just asking the Lord what we are doing here. And uh, so I'm believing that the Holy Spirit is really going to orchestrate things for us as a church, because there's so many different angles we can take uh, with this story, because it's the word of the Lord, and the word of the Lord is alive, and it's awesome, and there's so much that we can learn from it. To do a little bit of a backstory on Jacob, because, you, know, be, you know, before he becomes this man who wrestles with God, uh, there is so much of a background to this character. He really is such a character. Uh, his name, Yaakov, actually uh, means a deceiver. And now his name is going to become Israel, a prince. Woo! A deceiver, one who deceives. His brother and his family shall now become a prince of God. Amen? Right there, we could just do like a, you know, a whole sermon on that. But the backstory is going to be found in, uh, in Genesis chapter 25. I'm just going to pull out a couple of verses. Uh, what we have here is um, <clears throat> Jacob's father, Isaac, uh, is petitioning the Lord uh, to have a son, as usual in the patriarchy. And his wife, Rebecca, has not had a child yet. Uh, and then she becomes pregnant. In Genesis chapter 5, Isaac and Rebecca are about to have a child. And it says in verse 22, And the children struggled together within her. 
And she said, if it be so, why am I this way? And she went to inquire and to ask of the Lord. So this is Rebecca's like, I have two children inside of me. Twins. And they're wrestling inside of the womb. They're fighting. Wrestling. From his birth, before he was even born, Jacob is in this constant state of wrestling. It's unbelievable. The Lord said unto her, two nations are in your womb, and two types of people shall be separated from your womb. The one people, the one person, the one son shall be stronger than the other. And the older, the elder shall serve the younger. When her days to be delivered were fulfilled, there were twins in the womb. And the first came out red all over like a hairy garment. They called his name Esau. And after that came another brother and his hand. On the way outside of the womb, the younger brother, Jacob, (laughs) grabs the hold of Esau's heel. And his name is called Jacob. And Isaac was 60 years old when they were born. (laughs) Oh, man. Now, so there's so, oh, Lord, help me, because there's so much we can do here. Um. First, uh, in, in looking at this story, what we have here is a promise, a promise by God that uh, essentially Isaac and Rebekah, uh, from them will come uh, two mighty nations, right? Those two mighty nations shall be Jacob and Esau. Uh, but what's so interesting here is right from the get-go in the womb, these two brothers are fighting with one another, okay? They're consistently fighting. Uh, And what's going to happen here is the struggle is so real and so great that even the younger brother on the way out of the birth canal is going to his brother and saying, nah, you're getting back in here. So the question is like, why on earth is this going on? Essentially what happens here in the ancient times, and it still has a little bit of a a vibe today, right? The eldest kind of has the mantle of the family. Now all families don't necessarily work that way. I understand that, but in biblical times, definitely. The older brother is the one that's going to hold on to the, man, the mantle, the anointing, the calling, the inheritance, the birthright, the finances. They're the one that has that. And Jacob inside the womb is, is, is in this kind of weird spiritual way. Because I don't know if like he's really thinking about it, right? He's like not even a minute old yet, right? But in his, his spirit, man, is saying, no, I'm the one that's going to have the inheritance. Get back in here. I want to be the one with the inheritance. Now, the reality of the matter is, well, he's not going to be the one that gets the inheritance in terms of ancient law because Esau is the one that's born first, even though he's a couple minutes probably. But there's a prophecy that goes forth before they're even born. A prophecy goes forth that Jacob nor Esau obviously are even aware of. And the prophecy is this. Two people are inside of you, and the older shall serve the younger. That's that's taking ancient custom and flipping it over. No, no, the younger is supposed to serve the older. The prophecy is like, no, the older is going to serve the younger. Good thing Jacob didn't win that wrestling match. Because if he did, he would have been serving Esau. You get what I'm saying here? So what, what do we do here? What do we do here on, on, on some type of uh, spiritual plane here? What we have here is what we know already. Jacob, the great deceiver, the great wrestler, the one who is always fighting, fighting, fighting to get. Uh, there is a tenacity that is inside of him, even from before even being born. 
in his spirit, in that little babe, he understands the spiritual baby, the spiritual man inside him, understands the importance, the glory, the goodness of the inheritance from the Father. Uh, <laughs> and uh, what we also have here is there's a reality, and I've taught on this before, I want to remind us all of it, because I need to be reminded again, that inside of all of us, there are two. I hope you understand that. Paul talks about this extensively. There are two men or women inside of you. There's the man of the flesh and there's the man of the spirit, right? There's a man of the carnal and there's the man of the eternal. And inside of us, there's always this wrestling. Now, if you don't have a wrestling match inside of you, I'm just going to drop the mic and be like, yo, you could just like preach now. Because I'll be honest, I mean, I wake up most mornings, some mornings, there's a wrestling match that's going on. The flesh wants to come on out. I'm just being real with you. Like, come on. Let's just be real. As, as Alan was saying, like, let's be real with one another. Like, come on, like, as a pastor, someone who's in leadership, as a husband, it doesn't matter who you are, come on, life is real. It's visceral, it's alive, it's in your face, man. There are things that come up. Things that come up. But here's the prophecy. Oh, the older shall serve the younger. Now, if I look at my life, I say, well, which, which, which man inside of me is the older? Which one is the younger? Well, I'll tell you which one was manifest first in my life. The one that was manifest first in my life was the flesh. Because I didn't get born again until I was six. I didn't get baptized in the Holy Spirit until I was 16. So the spirit man is a little younger. And I do believe prophetically what the Lord is saying here is that in your life, O oh, descendants of Israel, descendants of Abraham, which we are, it has been destined from time beginning, that the older man, the flesh, shall submit himself to the younger the spirit. Amen? Come on. Like, it's like, well, flesh, you're kind of winning, but let me remind you of a prophecy that went forth. The reality here is that the flesh shall be submitted to the spirit. Because the things of the spirit are stronger, bigger, mightier, glory, more eternal, more everlasting. It's soaked in the anointing of the Holy Ghost and the goodness of the Father. And so you're like, oh, yeah, okay, let's just be real sometimes. And sometimes the flesh kind of wins out. It's okay, it's a process. And this is the story of Jacob, Yaakov. The story of Jacob is, the rest of his story, it's a process. And what is the process? Wrestling. Process is wrestling. So what happens here is, some of us know the story of Jacob better than others, but it's okay. That's why we're here. We're learning. We're encouraging one another. But what happens later on in his life, the great Jacob, the deceiver, essentially where he gets his name from, uh, is one possible uh, uh, definition of Jacob. All right? There's a couple out there. Um, but what happens here is later on, the boys are growing up. Esau is the hairy one. He's, like, he's the tough one. He's the one that's out in the woods, it says. Jacob stays at home with mom, you know. But Esau's out there hunting and all this kind of stuff with hair on his forearms and all this kind of stuff. And uh, his dad, Isaac, is passing away. The boys go in to get a blessing. And he fools his dad, fools his brother Esau in this elaborate scheme to be the one that receives the blessing. Like, his brother comes home for days out on a journey hunting. He doesn't come back with it, and he's really hungry. And Jacob is there with some stew. And he's like, hey, man, you want some stew? And his brother Esau's like, yeah, I'm so hungry. And Jacob's like, well, in order to get this stew, you got to do something. Esau's like, yeah, what? you got to transfer the inheritance from you to me. That's pretty 
rough, man. Scheming, right? It's deceiving. What might be even worse is Esau's like, yeah, what the heck? I'll get some stew. Now think about this. Esau, the older one, who's going to receive the inheritance of his father Isaac and his grandfather Abraham. This mighty nation which God has made a covenant with. Yeah, I'll sell it first. Bowl of stew. That's not much of a heart, man. I'm just going to give it up for some stew. You might want to give up the anointing of God so I can just be right. I'm just going to give up the anointing of God so I can be justified. I'm going to give up the calling of the Lord that's on my life or at this moment in time when I'm at work or whatever because I'm ashamed of, 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 of the glory of the Lord. What are we willing to sell the inheritance for in a moment? We look at Esau like, come on, for stew? Yeah, what, what, what do you do that? How about you looking the part amongst your friends, your family, your co-workers, not wanting to be singled out? I'll be honest. I mean, stew is probably, in, in realistically, after being out for days, probably more enticing and more justified than my belly is full and I am fine, but I don't want to look silly in front of a complete stranger, so I'm going to hide my inheritance and put it aside because I don't want to... Could be. Didn't take the the claim to it all seriously. Amen. That's good. Um, So what happens here is he, he steals the birthright. And then Esau finds out what the heck really just happened. Esau's like, what? Not only are you pulling over on me, it's really bad. Like, he goes in and, like, puts some sheepskin on his, on his forearms because his dad is blind at, 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 like, whatever age. He's like, come, come, son, let me bless you. Which son is this? Oh, I feel the sheepskin, which is all furry. It must be Esau, and his father blesses him. And Jacob's like, ah, ah, ah. I mean, it's, this is like... This is like, this is like as, as most soap opera-ish the ancient Middle East can get. It's unbelievable what this guy's doing. Now there's two views. You can say, oh, he's such a deceiver, which we could go that angle. But I feel and that's a whole other lesson. But the Holy Spirit, I believe, is saying this guy has a tenacity. And he just wants the inheritance so much that he's willing to do all this crazy stuff for it. And so what happens here is his brother... Seemingly, the two-minute older brother who probably has like 20 pounds more of muscle mass, right? He's hairy. He just has like this thing like, he hunts, he's hairy, he's this, that. He seems like he's a pretty bad dude, a pretty tough dude. Jacob stays at home, is cooking stew. It's like, all right, Jacob, right? Now, right? Two very different brothers, it sounds like, and the twins, right? He finds out that Esau figures it out, and Jacob is like, oh, no. And he books it out of there. He leaves. His mom, his dying dad, his brother, all of his brothers, sisters, cousins, whatever, and just leaves. He's like, peace out. I'm out of here. And he leaves the herds, if you will, of Isaac. And he leaves and lives in a foreign land for 20 years. He just leaves. He's like, oh, man, my brother is so going to beat me up. Kill me. Do something. We go to the next slide, please. 
You see, what's happening here is Jacob is a process. The process of going from Jacob to Israel in your life. From going from a deceiver to a prince of God. In a sense, is there is a process that's there. And Jacob does not fully understand it. But that's okay. Because he's going to get there. And so what happens here is what's going on here. This, this is kind of the paradigm. If you have the birthright, if you have the promises of the Lord, the inheritance, if you will, that is equated to having a certain level of authority. That authority, obviously, is now in your time, your scope, your place, will bring some level of responsibility over the family. And that responsibility is, what is the responsibility? The responsibility is engaging the promise, engaging the actual inheritance. Now, we can look at this on a physical realm, but I want to talk really more about the spiritual application. Here's the reality, guys. We have a birthright. We have an inheritance bought Not by stew, but by the precious blood of Jesus. And we have been given an inheritance and a birthright. And that inheritance and birthright is that we get to walk spiritually, and I also believe physically, with a level of authority that causes men to women to be like, what's up with these people? I don't mean boldness in terms of being nasty. I mean nothing scathes these people. They're so sure in what they know, what they believe, and so sure in the love of the Father. There is an authority that comes with the shedding blood of Jesus poured over you. Now, this authority should lead to a level of responsibility. You are sons and daughters of the Most High God. You shall be priests and priestesses. It says all of creation has been yearning for the sons and daughters to be revealed. And in this church, little c and big c, and in my life, some parts of my life, the son and daughter of the Most High God hasn't quite been revealed because I'm kind of hiding behind them. The earth is yearning, looking, crying out, waiting for us to have the inheritance and the promise of the Most High God to walk out in our responsibility. That responsibility is showing the world the light of the Father. Amen? Now, with that responsibility, okay, well, how do we get this responsibility? It's going full circle, I believe, to things we taught on the past. It is engaging the promise. It's engaging the presence. It's engaging the inheritance. It's engaging who you are as a son. What we're meaning here is that the, the responsibility is to engage the Lord. Engage Him. Practicing the presence. Understanding your identity and who He is. It's all about engaging. And so this is the story of Jacob, isn't it? He doesn't get the inheritance. He got it, but he doesn't understand it. He, gets, he got it, but he doesn't understand the authority because if he only understood the authority, he would go up to Esau and be like, yo, Esau, I know you're like two minutes older than I am, but you see what just happened? Daddy blessed me, and I received the anointing. So you're not killing me, okay, bro? I know you're bigger than me, but I'm the one with the inheritance. You sold it for stew. That's your own problem. Now Submit. Don't you remember the prophecy mom and dad told us, right? The older, which is you, shall serve the younger. So let's get on with it. Now, look, look, it's tough for us to say or easy for us to say, but someone who walks in the authority says, come on, I have no money in my bank account, but the Lord said he shall provide for me. I know I'm a little grumpy this morning and I'm dealing with some things, but the Lord says that his joy overfloweth me. 
I know my wife and I are having a little bit of a hard time, but the Lord says a threefold cord shall not be easily broken. I got my wife, I got me, and I got the Father. So it shall not be broken, and things are going to work out just fine. What kind of authority are you walking in? You have received the authority because you have the inheritance. But now we have a responsibility to engage that by understanding it, but by knowing it. Amen? Now, Jacob doesn't know it yet. He leaves for 20 years. This isn't like, hey, we're going to pick up and like, you know, call, you know, look up Zillow.com and look for a place to, uh, to, to live, man. This is like, let's pack up everything on the camels and book it out of there in the middle of the night so no one gets us. Right? It's a different time, man. It's in the middle of the desert. Now, here it goes. To engage the promise, Jacob will be forced. And I'm telling you right now, if you are truly born again of the Father, born again of the Spirit, born again because of the Son, the Lord will come and find you. He's going to find you, and he's going to say, all right, it's showdown time. Let's come. Let's come and wrestle. That's what we say in high school, the wrestling team, we wrestle. Let's scrapple. Let's get into it. Now, a lot of us just want to leave and run and book away, but I am telling you, I am telling you, there will come a time in your life when a man is going to show up in the Spirit, and he's going to say, let's wrestle. God's going to wrestle with you. I'm not saying physically per se, but I'm saying there is going to be a spiritual wrestling match that's going to go on. And this is finally when Jacob walks in the revelation of his birthright, when he engages God and God engages him. In the midst of fleeing, a man shows up, turns out to be God, and says, come on, let's, let's get into it right now. And, and Jacob, in this fighting, in this process, in this difficulty, whatever you want to call it, he holds on, he holds on, he fights and fights, and something, some kind of survival instinct comes inside me. He's like, and inside of him, he says, I'm not letting go with this man until you bless me. And it's through that fighting, people, <laughs> through that wrestling, through that engagement, that Jacob finally understands the birthright, the authority, the responsibility, and the presence of the Lord. In fact, he says, I've seen God face to face. And it's at that point, it's at that point that the understanding happens. We can go to the next slide, please. Hallelujah. So, the wrestling match. Jacob is afraid. He's scared about his brother. He's running away. And he wrestles the Lord. And there's such a tenacity that resurges inside of him that apparently hasn't been there in the last 20 years. He's like, I'm not letting go until you bless me, God. And so I have some questions for you in your wrestling match. Uh, what do you need from God right now? Jacob wanted a blessing. We engage the Lord. We engage him in prayer. We engage him in worship. We engage him in this wrestling match of just believing. And so right now, honestly, I'll, to yourself, ask, answer the question, what do you need from God right now? What blessings do you want from him? And three, 
how bad do you want it? You got them? Hosea chapter 12, 3 to 6, mentions and describes Jacob's wrestling match. Jacob took his brother by the heel in the womb, and by his strength he had power with God. Yes, he had power over the angel and prevailed. He wept and made supplication unto God. He found himself, or found God, at Bethel, and there he spoke with us. Even the Lord God of hosts, the Lord is his memorial. Therefore, turn to God, keep mercy and judgment, and wait on your God continually. See, the wrestling match of whatever you're wrestling with God for, the engagement with him, sometimes comes with a waiting. Jacob wrestled all night. In fact, he walks away with a tremendous amount of discomfort. It says that the angel of the Lord essentially grabbed his hip, pulled it out of his socket. There's a discomfort when we wrestle with the Lord sometimes. It's not always easy peasy. There's a wrestling match that's, that's taking place. You're holding out. You're believing for something in your life. Lord, you've made this promise over my life, and I'm believing it, and I haven't seen it yet. But I'm holding on, and as Hosea says, wait on God continually. The question is also built into this, which is maybe somewhat kind of unfair, uh, through the discomfort, is how bad, how bad do you really want the blessing from the Lord? Whatever it was that I, that I talked with when I said, what blessings do you want? What do you want from the Lord right now? Whatever popped in your head, another question is, how bad do you want it? How bad do you really want it, man? How much tenacity do you have? I'm throwing the bait out. I'm throwing the bait out. It's kind of mean of me. But... Yeah, how much, how much are we going to pray? How much are we going to worship? How much are we going to fight? How long are you going to believe for? Through the discomfort, through the difficulty. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. Because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Look, the fire, is, there's difficulties that show up. Okay? I'm not saying all those difficulties are from the Lord. There are things that show up that are difficult in our life. But the scriptures say, oh man, when you get on the other side of that fire, when you go through that difficulty and you get on the other side of it, what is going to remain? The fire of the wrestling match is going to burn away all of the things that are not of the Lord. When we're going through a wrestling match, waiting for the blessing of the Lord, holding out for it, that process is the process of learning the skills and the abilities and the heart nature to engage the presence of the Lord. We have the worship team come on down. Through all of this, Jacob's name is changed to Israel. Why? Because it's at that point that he finally understands that he is finally worthy of the inheritance of the Lord. He understands that he has received the authority. He understands that he has the anointing that the Lord has called him now 
to be the head of the family, to be the one who takes on the anointing, the inheritance of the Father. And what's so beautiful here is when he goes through this, in the midst of the fire and the difficulties of his life, he finally gets it. And after the wrestling match, after he wrestles with God, his brother Esau, after 20 years, finally tracks Jacob down. It's like the next story. It's right after the wrestling match. His brother Esau, it's like, I found you. The wrestling match with the Lord is going to catapult you into the things and the difficulties that you are faced with. Now you wrestle with the Lord and everything just disappears and dissipates. You're like, oh, well, sometimes that may happen, but come on. Jacob wrestles with the Lord and he learns something. As John F. Kennedy Jr. said, oh, please, I pray. Oh, John F. Kennedy, President of the United States says, oh, please, let us pray not for easier days. Let us pray for stronger men. We're wrestling with the Lord. We're not like, just take this away, Lord. No, let me have the tenacity of Jacob. Now, I goaded you. I baited you a little bit. Maybe it was a little unfair. It might have been a little unfair. What do you need from God right now? What blessings do you want from him? How bad do you want it? Look, I'm telling you right now, man, he that abides in me, I shall abide in him. He that abides in me, I shall give him everything he asks. He shall bear fruit and glorify the Father. I am telling you that you're going through the wrestling match and if you're going through the fire and if we're sitting there and we're only saying, if we're only saying, Lord, I need more money. Lord, I need this. I need that. I need that. You are missing the wrestling match. You shall never receive the inheritance. Because wrestling, yeah, we pray, we believe for those financial blessings. We believe for those things. But I'm telling you right now, if that is the focus, Jacob wrestles. He doesn't mention Esau. He doesn't mention his problem. He just wrestles with the angel of the Lord and says, I'm not letting go until you bless me. Jesus, let this make sense, Lord. Lord, let this make sense. The power of the Spirit of the living God. John chapter 1. Verse 18, for no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son is in the bosom of the Father. Well, these people of the Old Testament, they say that they saw God face to face. Man comes in the middle of the night. An angel of the Lord comes to them and they wrestle. We just lower the worship team a little bit. They wrestle and they say, I've seen God face to face and I've lived. But then John says, no man has seen God face to face. Paul says something similar. No man has seen seen God face to face. And so scholars are like, what's going on? And what many Christian uh, theologians believe is very simple. The angel of the Lord that shows up is not God the Father. It's Jesus. It's Jesus manifesting himself in the image of his likeness. But in a way that Old Testament men could understand. Oh, he's an angel. Jesus is not an angel. He's not an angel. But we have a little bit of an English problem here. Angel in Hebrew is malach. Malach simply means a messenger. A messenger of the Lord shows up. And I've seen God face to face. 
I believe Jesus was wrestling with Jacob. I believe Jesus is the one that went to Abraham and Abraham saw and said, I saw God face to face. I believe Jesus is the one that went to Manoah and his wife, the, the, the husband and wife of Samson, and said, oh, we've seen God. Surely we're going to die. And the angel of the Lord is like, no, you will not. I believe it was Jesus who came to Gideon. They say, I've seen God. Because in the fullness of Jesus is the full deity of the Godhead. Amen? And that's what's so beautiful here. What do you need now? What do you wrestle with? How bad do you want it, you know? See, I can say now because of the Holy Ghost, because of the pure spotless blood of Jesus. If I was wrestling with Jacob today, Next slide, please. I wouldn't have to wrestle anymore. You go to the next one, sorry. I don't have to wrestle anymore. I just surrender. And if I was Jacob and I understood the coming of Jesus, I would just come to him and say, we can wrestle all night, but all I know is I want your will to be done. You don't have to fight with me, God. Because I'm here and I say, you have full authority to do whatever you want with my life. Abide in me as I abide in you. The Old Testament theology is fight, fight. Fight, 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 fight. Pray more, pray more, worship more, worship more, worship more. Do all of these things. When Jesus says, come unto me, all you are heavy burdened. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. I want to give you full authority. All authority that's been given to me, I give to you. All spiritual blessings that are sitting in high places. For from the foundations of the earth, my blood of the Lamb of God has been spilled for you. Religion says today, fight. Now there's an element of fighting in the spirit. There's prayer. There's worship. But I'm telling you right now, you do not have to be like Jacob that says, I have to earn the blessing. The blessing has been given. Isaiah says, We're, he is the potter and I am the clay. The clay does not say to the potter, how do you form me? The potter is just there. I'm sorry, the clay is just there in the hands of the potter. Do what you want. Do what you want. Jesus says, Jesus says this in another way. He says, he who wants to have life and save his life must lose it. That's the wrestling match. The wrestling match is just saying, all right, flesh. We desire to surrender. Wrestling match over. Because it's all been done for you already. I am not undermining worship. I am not undermining prayer. They're real. We're called to do it. But I'm telling you, whatever blessing you wanted, whatever you were asking for, how do we get it? 
We surrender. Jesus, I have no idea what the heck I'm doing up here at a pulpit. I just surrender to you. Lord, I have no idea how to, how to, how to raise two daughters. I just surrender it all to you. Lord, I don't know how we're going to pay for this kind of stuff in my car or this, thing. I just surrender it all to you. I don't even have to wrestle. I just fall in my daddy's arms and say, you got this. You got this. You got it. Amen? We can go back to the uh, previous slide. And if you take away anything from today, what I want you to take away are these. There are two people inside of you, the flesh and the spirit. It's a fight between the flesh and the spirit. And there is an element of how bad do you want your birthright and your inheritance? How bad do you want? Some may have wrestled and fought, but today a lot of the wrestling is just a surrender to the Lord. And it would be unfair for me to say, what, what were you holding out for? Because some of us are holding out for some real legit things. You know, financial blessings, a new job, healings. These are all real. And I don't, not, I don't want to demean them in any way, shape, or form. I don't know how to convey this. I'm not trying to be judgmental or things like that. I'm trying to figure out how to convey this. Holy Spirit. Well, I'll put it on me. There's things that I'm holding out for in my life. Natural things. But I do know this. As I surrender to Jesus, I begin to hold out and believe for other things. My heart's desire is, begins to become other things that I'm emphasizing, that I'm putting in my mind, that I'm putting in my spirit, that I'm calling out to the Lord for what I'm praying for. What do you want? What blessing do you want? My heart, folks, is being changed. Where it's becoming less I and more thou. Less me, more you. And I say, Lord, what do I want? What's burning inside my spirit? It's starting. It's starting. I'm learning. But what's starting is, Lord, more than anything else, I want your name to be glorified and hallowed on planet Earth. Doesn't matter about the job per se. Doesn't matter about these things. What I want is your kingdom to come on earth. What I want is my neighborhood radically saved in the power of the gospel. What I want are my colleagues to be falling on their knees in tears, repenting to the Lord. What I want, Lord, is for your kingdom to come, for your name to be glorified, for all the flesh to cry out to you. And I'm just wondering, when we ask these questions of what do we want so bad, how many of us inside of our spirit, our spirit man really comes up and says, yeah, that's what I want more than anything is for your name to be glorified. It's tough. Because there's a place and there's a purpose for, for, for 
the real the stuff on earth, right? The food, the money, the make things. I get that. From your, right, from your mouth, your heart speaks. You know, what, what do we want? What do we yearn for? I do know that Jesus yearned for the Father's kingdom of God. I know the apostles were, were not tre- tremendously concerned about their career and their job profession. They were concerned about the kingdom on earth. Ah, hallelujah. So, Lord, we surrender. Yes. Father, I pray against the thoughts of the deceiver of Jacob. Father, I pray right now that we in this church would have a revelation of a name change. That we would become princes and princesses of the Most High God. That we would understand the inheritance, the calling, the responsibility to engage you. Engage you. And that the engagement happens. Oh, it's so free! Just to say, you have your way. We surrender all things to you. We surrender all concern. We, could, we surrender all worry. We surrender all health problems. We surrender the plights and the futures of our family. We surrender the bills to you. We surrender, we surrender all, and we just say, you got this, Lord. You got it. You got it. You got it. Amen. Have a wonderful week. Enjoy the beauty of the snow. As he takes our sins and make it white as snow. (laughs) Hope to see you downstairs, a little coffee and pastries. Feel free just to stay in the presence of the Lord as we worship. We just ask, just, we just ask that we just keep this place as a place of worship. Conversations, if they could just move out to the lobby unless you're praying for someone or encouraging someone in the Lord. If you need any prayer, we're, we're here. We're here for you. This way.